appreciative. You gotta be appreciative because it's been amazing. Um, uh, I do want to take a minute before we, oh, I gotta welcome everybody who's watching online. Come on, church. Let's welcome everybody who's watching online. Online, we love you. We love you for that. I, I want to take a minute and I just want to recognize uh, our amazing volunteers here at Summit Park. We have just the best. People who come early, who stay late, who uh, help bring the, the people into the parking lot, and who set up all of the signage, who take care of the babies. Come on, somebody, for the people in the baby areas. Uh, hold your applause to the end. Hold your applause to the end. Um, we, got, we got people who, on the worship team, production team, people who making coffee. Woo! And we are just thankful for all of them. I do want to take a minute, really, truly, truly Every person who's serving, thank you. Thank you so much for creating a place where people can find and follow Jesus. I'm so thankful for you guys. Um, Leading, hosting, uh, it's just we're so, so blessed here at the church. And and I just want to say thank you. And uh, we celebrate you and honor you and are so thankful for you. And now we can clap for all of our volunteers. Thank you, guys. Love you. Love you. Okay. um, Well, hey, we are uh, continuing our series in the book of Matthew, we're going verse by verse through the book of Matthew. And uh, Matthew is giving us more than just a book, more than just a book of the Bible, although that's, that's great. Uh, every book in the Bible is amazing. Uh, but what he's doing is he's, he's giving us more than just a story. He's giving us a firsthand account of the life of Christ. So here's, here's a guy who literally followed Jesus. Here's a guy who was with Jesus when Jesus was doing miracles, He watched Jesus multiply loaves and fish. He watched Jesus walk on water. He he saw Jesus do uh, amazing things, uh, healing people who were blind, casting demons out. He watched Jesus teach and change people's lives. But most of all, and this is what we're keying on at the beginning of this book, most of all, Matthew's life was radically changed by Jesus. Because Matthew was a sellout. He was a traitor. He had given over his allegiance and his loyalty to Rome. And and he had sold out his people. He had done the unthinkable. He was considered one of the worst of the worst in his society. And Jesus shows up to his tax collector's booth and says, come, follow me. And as Matthew leaves that and begins following Jesus, his life changes. He realizes what this whole thing uh, called life is all about. It's about finding the king of the kingdom. And his name is Jesus. And he changes people's lives. And he'll change our lives if we'll let him. And that's what Matthew's trying to get us to do. And so we were talking last week about how uh, we have, it's the best bad news. If you missed that, we talked about the best bad news, which is you have to change. You need to change, but you can. All right. And so we're kind of doing a mini series in the book of Matthew last week and this week two-part series, you need to change, but you can. And, and so what I'm here to tell you today is that you still need to change, okay? Even, even after last week, you still need to change. So find someone next to you and say, you still need to change. You still need to change. But you can. You can. You can do it. Um, and uh, one of the, what I want to talk today about, we're going to come to Matthew chapter 4, and we're going to see how how Jesus overcomes temptation. So we're going to be talking about temptation today, everybody. It's going to get saucy. It's going to get saucy. Um, and so I'll, I'll have a message title, if you're taking notes, is this, how to avoid getting stuck 
at temptation station. We talk about how do you avoid getting stuck at temptation station. And since we're talking about temptation, we're all here together. You came to church. I thought what we'd do is just, you know, crowdsource this a little bit and pass the mic around. And I'd like for you to share um, <laughs> just, you know, what you're struggling with this week, really, if you don't mind. Would love just to be able to pray together. We'll take a time. No, that would be really, really awkward. Uh, that would be bad. Um, yeah, I do want to ask this. How many of you have ever been tempted? Come on, all across this place, you ever been tempted? Okay, all right. And then, okay, you put your hands down. How many of you have given in to that temptation? Just raise your hand. Okay, universal, this is good, right? Well, not really, but um, <laughs> it's good for us to know we're not alone. That's what's good. And then, then, now, and I don't want you, this is not a pressure thing, but how many of you, when you gave in to that temptation, felt terrible about it? Just raise your hand, you felt terrible, right? Like, yeah, it, it doesn't, it, isn't that amazing? Temptation, sounds so good, looks so good, tastes so bad. Isn't that just, it's very interesting how that works. No, okay, now here, let's end on a positive note. Uh, uh, how many of you have ever uh, overcome temptation? You were tempted, then you overcame it. And how many of you felt amazing after it, right? Yes, yes, victory. Victory can be ours in Jesus. And it happens when we don't get stuck at temptation station. And that's what I want to talk a little bit about because I, I believe temptation is like that. It's, uh, it can be like getting, getting off at the wrong subway station or the wrong train station. How many ever rode a train or a subway? Just raise your hand. Okay. And then the reality is it can be really confusing, especially if you're in a new city. If you go to New York, trying to find what train to get on, what train to get off or what station and, and trying to find your way around. It's really important that you pick the right one because you can find yourself way in the wrong direction if you don't, especially if you're in a different country. Like, it's, it, life is hard enough, and then you're trying to, like, you know, manage subways, and you're, okay, you don't know that language, and you, you can find yourself in a wrong location. This happened to a guy, I, I Googled this yesterday, I was like, has anyone ended up in the wrong location and shared it with the world? And, and this, guy, uh, this guy did that. He was uh, a Reddit thread. Uh, this, is what, this is a picture. Uh, that's the first picture. Then the second picture is this, and he says, I got off at the wrong station. And that's what he looked at when he got off the train. And he says, now I'm in the middle of nowhere without food. It's raining. It's cold. I'm hungry. And the next train is in seven hours. Please keep me company. <laughs> Everybody give a big awe for that guy. That's sad, right? I mean, he's like, and he's just sharing it with everybody. Like, I have no one to talk to except the internet. Please respond. But you know what? I, I just thought about like, that, that's how it feels when we get stuck in temptation. It's like, man, I found, I'm finding myself like, wait, this is not where I wanted to go. This is not what I had in mind when I started my day, when I started my new job, or when I started my marriage. And now I find myself in the wrong destination. I'm stuck, and I don't know when the next train is. And I don't know if there is a train coming. I, I'm stuck at Temptation Station. It's dangerous. It's dangerous, isn't it? Because how many of you know this? It's never just about one stop. How many of you know temptation always leads to another stop? It always takes you further. It always pulls you further than you thought you would end up going. 
It's a lot like Krispy Kreme. Come on, somebody. Now, we don't have a lot of Krispy Kremes in, in Kansas City, but if, you've, if you have experienced Krispy Kreme, you know there's a little moment when, when it's hot and ready. You know, you can get in there and, and get that, you know, the, the, and it's just like liquid sugar just being poured down your throat is what it is when you get the hot and ready donuts. But here's the beautiful thing about Krispy Kreme. I don't know if you guys knew this, but the first one is free. It's amazing. You don't have to do it. You just have to walk in, and they're like, oh, you look amazing. Here is a donut for you. Now, what I'd like to believe is that the CEO of Krispy Kreme is just incredibly generous. What I'd like to believe is that he just wants to feed America one donut at a time. But I think there might be some more nefarious moments, motives at work. I think he's actually, he actually understands something, that if you eat one Krispy Kreme donut you're going to eat another, and then you're going to eat another, and then you're taking a dozen to go, right? That's how temptation is. The enemy knows that if he can just get us to compromise a little, then he'll get us to compromise a little bit more, and then we'll compromise a little bit more, and we'll find ourselves at a place that we never thought possible. We'll find ourselves thinking things, saying things, doing things that we never thought possible. It, we were talking about this in between uh, service in the green room, and we were talking about first service, and, and, I, and I was like, you know, this idea is so true because no one ever starts, no one ever starts their marriage saying, how can I ruin this? No one ever does, but, but it, it happens. It happens, and it's usually one stop at temptation station after another. I want to unpack this for us, Matthew chapter 4, because the, the good news is Jesus will show us how to overcome it. But why are we tempted anyways? Why are we tempted? Like, what, what, what's going on here? And I know there are a lot of people at Summit Park who are new to church. Maybe you're new to the Bible. And for the world, like, temptation is kind of like Christmas, Right, like, like, like they celebrate it. Like, oh man, this is amazing. I'm doing all of the wrong things. I'm, I'm appealing to the flesh. But when you give your life to Christ, all of a sudden you start living for a different kingdom, don't you? And all of a sudden you're like, no, I, I don't, I don't want to do. What's happening? Why are we being pulled away in the wrong direction? The Bible teaches this: that we have an enemy of our souls. There is an enemy who is working against us. He is the enemy of our souls. In fact, Jesus talks about him in John 10, 10, where Jesus is saying, this is what I've come to do, but as I've, as I've come to bring life, the enemy has also come to bring death. Look at John 10, 10. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. The enemy, the accuser, Satan, he comes to steal and kill and destroy. He is after you. Jesus wants to bring you life, but God is, uh, but the enemy, rather, is trying to pull you away from that life. God is trying to bring purpose into your life, and the enemy is trying to derail you from that purpose and get you stuck at the wrong stop. First Peter says this, be alert, a sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. He compares the enemy of our souls to a lion. I love watching lions on TV. Isn't it the Discovery Channel? Anybody else do this? Discovery Channel, National Geographic, um, Wow, there's really nobody who raised their hands. That was uh, <laughs> a little shocking. Um, it's so much fun. We did this a lot with my uh, boys as they were growing up because, you know, they're into animals. And, you know, 
who doesn't love seeing a lion just rip into a gazelle? You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just, it's amazing. And, and so we were there and, uh, and we're watching this. And, you know, it's like, oh, you got the, the you know, they're, they're like three and five, and they're just fascinated, you know. And it, it usually sets up with, you know, some type of British accent. You know, the guy's like, and now we see the lion <laughs> hiding in the brush, waiting to make his advance. And so, and so the kids are just like, oh, this is amazing. Is he really going to eat him? And I'm like, yes, he is. <laughs> and, 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 you know, and usually the gazelle is just innocent, clueless even, right? We talked last week about like frolicking, like well-fed calves. Do you remember this? Like that's what a gazelle's doing, living his best life. Completely clueless. You Frolicking. And that lion, you watch him, like they're just like this. They do not move. And then they just like, like this. And they will wait, and they will be patient, and you can't, they blend in with the grass around them, and that goes, I was, <laughs> I was watching one yesterday, is because I was preparing for today, and I was just searching, and, uh, and, and man, this thing was, I mean, truly just like, and the lion is just there. And we know because we have this behind the scene shot and the gazelle's just coming closer. I'm like, oh my gosh, he is clueless. This lion the entire time is laser focused on one thing. And the gazelle is completely oblivious to what's about to happen. That's what God says the devil is like for you and me. And you don't see him coming, and you don't hear him coming, but he knows where you're going, and he's ready to take you out. So be aware. Be aware. And the way that he does this, the way that he takes us out is so subtle because it's with lies. He lies. In fact, Jesus, talking about the devil, says, he was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. He, he's incapable of it. And when he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. That's why he's so dangerous, because we can't see it. He, he, he presents one thing, but he's really doing something completely different. He's a liar, and he wants us to believe the lies. And if we buy into his lies, then it kills our relationship with God. That's the analogy. And this is true in any relationship, right? Because, like, if you start believing things about God that aren't true, or if you start believing things about how God thinks about you that aren't true, then how many of you know that will kill your relationship with God? It's like any relationship. Like, if someone told my wife, hey, I heard Scott saying the other day that he thinks you are a terrible cook. And I, I know, I was surprised too, but he did. He said it, he went on and on. In fact, he said he didn't like your hair either. <laughs> and he was just relatively unhappy in the marriage. None of those things are true. My wife is an amazing cook. She has awesome hair, and I am very happy in our marriage. But if she believed it, if she believed it, how many of you know it would affect the way 
we relate and the way she relates with me. That's the thing. The devil wants you to believe a lie that's not true about you, that's not true about God, hurt your relationship, and and cause you to miss out on the purpose that God has for you. God has a great purpose for your life. He wants you to thrive. We talked about this last week. He wants you to frolic. He wants you to be full of life. And the enemy is trying to derail that. Like, Scott, do you have any good news for me today? Yes. Because although the enemy is trying to take us out, we don't have to give in to his temptation. We don't have to give in to it. 1 Corinthians 10 says this, no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. Everybody experiences it. We just, we just took a survey. But a lot of times we think that the thing that is attacking us, it's like nobody knows like me. Nobody struggles like my struggle. I'm the only one who deals with this this way, right? That's, that's what the enemy wants you to do. But Paul says, no, no, no. It's common. And God is faithful. Everybody say, he's faithful. Amen. Come on, with strength. Say, he's faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. He wants to give you a way out to overcome and to escape the thing that the enemy is using to take you out. And I don't know what that thing might be. It's, it's different for every person. For some, it's lying. It's deceit. For some, it's lust. For some, it's, it's anger, gossip. Slander, you can read through all of the different sins or you know what your thing is. I don't even have to tell you. You know what your temptation is. You know how the enemy gets you. And he'll, it's the same thing. He, he'll put different lures on that bait. He'll, he'll try different ways, but it's the same end. He's trying to get you off of your purpose. He's trying to separate you from God. That's why it's so important that we understand what temptation is and then how to overcome it. And Jesus shows us how in Matthew chapter 4, right after Jesus gets baptized, we talked about this last week in in Matthew 3, Jesus gets baptized, it's this glorious moment, the Father is there, you know, endorsing the Son, the Spirit comes and empowers him for ministry, and it's right after this that Jesus gets led into the wilderness to be tempted. Matthew chapter 4, if you're ready, jump in, say I am. All right, Matthew chapter four. Then Jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry and the tempter came to him. Let me pause for a moment. Two things on temptation, especially the timing of this temptation. This is happening after a pretty major victory, right? Again, baptism moment endorsement for ministry. The the father is saying, yes, let's go. The spirit is, I'm with you. Let's do this. And the enemy shows up. The point I want to make is this, that the enemy often comes when we're feeling great. Taking notes, write that down. The enemy often shows up when you've just had a great victory, when you're feeling froggy, when you're like, yeah, let's go. For new believers, this happens. New believers, you, God shows up in your life. You start, you start making uh, strides toward God. God starts speaking to you. You get excited about church. You get excited about ministry. And there seems to be, I, I don't understand this completely, but there seems to be almost like a little bit of a grace period. 
quite literally, where there is a moment where the enemy leaves you alone. Small, but he lets you kind of do your thing, and then, and then he attacks. Or if you're starting a new season of ministry, and, and, and I love seeing people do this, when you step into a, a new opportunity that God has for you. Maybe it's leading a small group, or maybe it's getting a part of a, a serve team here at the church. Or maybe it's starting, getting on, on an outreach. You just get excited about doing, or maybe it's just reading your Bible. Like you're like, man, I'm doing the one-year Bible and I'm gonna pursue God. And you're excited about making steps toward God. When you start doing that, get ready. Get ready for God to do something great, but get ready for the enemy to attack. Because many times when heaven opens up, hell is not far behind. It's just the way that it works. So he often comes when we're feeling amazing, but then he often comes when we're feeling terrible. Where's Jesus at in this moment? He's been fasting for 40 days. You know, the first couple days of a fast are really, really uh, terrible, like they're challenging. But then your body settles in until uh, toward the end. Then then what happens if you're on a 40-day fast? I've never done a 40-day fast, but they tell me that, that like as you get towards the end, your body is actually eating itself and you are weak, that's when the enemy shows up to Jesus. And I wanna encourage you that this is when the enemy will show up for you, when you are weak. Maybe when you're feeling terrible, you've had a, a big loss, you've had, you've had a terrible moment, and maybe it's just, you've experienced incredible challenge, maybe you lost your job, maybe you're going through a divorce, And the enemy is going to come and he is going to attack you with all kinds of doubt, with all kinds of discouragement, with all kinds of uh, temptation to get you to believe things that aren't true. He doesn't fight fair. So for me, I have to process this constantly. So after big wins, I have to be careful. After big losses, I have to be careful. After Sundays, I have to be careful because I feel like, man, this is so great. Sunday was awesome. Man, people got saved. God's moving. Monday morning, the devil comes almost every Monday. And I'm, but I'm ready because I know his attack. Or after, after a big loss, something doesn't go well, difficult situation, circumstance, the enemy's like, he wants to pounce. And he wants to, he just, he wants to just seize and keep, keep his, his foot on your neck until, until you give up. That's what he does. He is vicious and he is ruthless. Verse three, the tempter came to him and said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. So this is, this is what he tempts him with. And can we just take a moment and be honest, there is nothing wrong with bread. God loves bread. He really does. Jesus will eat a lot of bread. In fact, he will break bread, the last supper, and compare it to his body being broken, and he'll multiply loaves and fish. So Jesus loves bread, and I love bread. Bread is my weakness, specifically sourdough bread from Hy-Vee. It's amazing. So why, why is it wrong? Why is the devil coming to tempt Jesus with bread? He, he'll say, I'm the bread of life. What, what's up with that? Well, it's not wrong. And it's not actually not wrong to take bread and make it, or take stones and to make it bread, because Jesus can do whatever he wants. Why was it wrong? Because Jesus was fasting. So bread was off limits. That's why. 
And that's what he, he's trying to get Jesus to compromise just a little bit. This happened to me yesterday. I was having breakfast with a uh, friend of mine at Neighborhood Cafe. And, and I, I, show, I, I showed up and, and um, you know, they have like the best cinnamon rolls. Like the best. And so my friend, I, I, my, I showed up and my friend didn't know I was fasting. I fasted sugar like and yesterday was the last day of the fast. So, so anyways, he, so I, I sat down and like I was hurried because I was running late. And I, I got there and, and he had already had a cinnamon roll ready for me. And I had, for, I had forgotten for a second that I was fasting. And so I, 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 grabbed, I grabbed a fork and I started looking at that cinnamon roll and he was talking to me. That cinnamon roll was saying, oh, I'm so delicious. <laughs> and I said, I know you are. That's what I'm about to eat you. And, and I, I, I was like, oh, no, I threw, I threw the, knife, the, the fork down. I said, get behind me, Satan. <laughs> Yesterday, it was not okay. Today, it's okay. Because my fast is over. But see, this is what the enemy wants us to do. He wants us to compromise our convictions. See, God will put things on your heart. And, and God will challenge you. Hey, this is, this is what I've called you to. And it might not be where everyone else is living, but I want you to live different. Sometimes it's an others may, but you may not type of situation. And whenever God is doing something in your life, you can't look at what, what is okay for everybody else and let that determine what's okay for you. You have to determine, Lord, this is the covenant I've made to you. I'm going to live at this level. And if I compromise it, I'm compromising. And what the devil loves to do is just to get us to compromise a little bit. And then a little bit more. And then a little bit more. And Jesus knows that it's exactly what has happened, happening to him. And he responds with Scripture. He responds with the word of God. And this is what Jesus will do every single time. He says in verse four, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but in every word that comes from the mouth of God. How cool is Jesus? Let me just say that, that he ties in the verse to the temptation. I think that's just amazing. He's like, no, 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 that's not, my supply is, is not me taking this and making it happen. My supply is found in God. My supply is found in the Father. And I'm not, I'm not going to compromise that at all. But the devil's not done, verse 5. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. And he said, if you're the son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. What he's trying to, no, literally what he's doing, think about this, he's leveling up the temptation. He's starting right here on the ground, then he's moving to a higher place, and that's exactly what the devil does. He levels up his temptation. If he can't get you with something easy, he's gonna bring something more complicated. Just, just because you survived one doesn't mean he's gonna come and get you in a different situation or a different circumstance, and that's what he's doing with Jesus. And this time, the devil quotes the Bible. Can you believe it? The nerve of this guy quoting the word of God to the word of God. Except here's what's interesting. He's quoting Psalm 91. And I was like, so I went, I went to Psalm 91 and, and I was like, that's very interesting. What, why is he quoting Psalm 91? He's actually misquoting Psalm 91. He's leaving part of it out. If you go read this later, he leaves part of it out and he takes it out of context. He's trying to make it say something that it's not saying. 
And, and this, is, this is what the enemy loves to do. He loves to twist the truth. He'll take something that looks a little bit true, but then he'll twist it just a little bit. You justify it just a little bit. Do you know you can almost make the Bible say anything if you take it out of context? That's why it's so important that you understand all of the Bible so that you don't just pluck verses out and come up with your own theology that feels good to you. You wanna know the whole Bible. And that's why we're doing the one-year Bible. We did it last year, we're doing it again. And Lord willing, every year. Because we wanna we want just get the word of God in us. The, the one-year Bible is amazing because you have the Old Testament passage, then you have a New Testament passage, you have a Psalm and a Proverb. There's almost always something that just jumps right out the page. And if not, then I'll read it again. And, and God wants to speak to you. And that's why we're doing Matthew as well. We're going verse by verse through Matthew so that we can get the word of God, so we can think biblically and respond biblically when the enemy comes and tries to twist and pervert truth. And Jesus responds with the word of God. He says, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Jesus responds with the word and the devil tries once more. Again, the devil took him to a high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. He says, all this I will give you if you bow down and worship me. Now, what's this about? So right now, Satan has been allowed to have certain dominion. He's been allowed to have certain dominion here on this earth where God is, ultimately, Jesus will be the king and he will rule and he will reign. But right now he has allowed the enemy to have a bit of dominion. And there's prophecies and, and, and Psalm that say the Messiah will come and he will rule his kingdom. And so Jesus is, is the king and he will be king. But right now he has not taken full uh, dominion of his kingdom. And so the enemy is trying to get Jesus to do something that he will get one day, but just not now. That's what the enemy loves to do to us, isn't it? Something that God has for us, something that God wants for us, but he's just wanting us to wait. Something that he's, he, he's promised us, something that he's laid out for us, but he's saying, now's not the time. And Jesus responds to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Three times the enemy comes against Jesus, and three times Jesus responds with the word of God. Then the devil left him, and angels came and attended him. They celebrated. They probably broke his fast and brought him some neighborhood cafe cinnamon rolls. <laughs> What's Jesus showing us here? I, I want to encourage you with this. The enemy does want to destroy your life, but God wants you to find life. Temptation can lead to destruction, but it can also lead to celebration. When we're tempted, this is something that's so encouraging to me. Every time we're tempted, it is an opportunity to do the wrong thing, but it's actually also an opportunity to do the right thing. So you know what? You can take that, you'd be like, I, I'm, I can't wait. You know, this is, you're gonna tempt me, I'm, I'm in the word of God, I'm gonna be in the word of God, I'm gonna be reading the word of God, I'm gonna respond with the word of God, and then I'm gonna rise up and I'm gonna overcome this temptation in Jesus' name. And I'm going to be stronger on the other side. Amen? Amen. I want to show, it, but in order to do that, we have to know the devil's schemes. So I want to give you three ways the devil tempts us and then how we respond. Number one, the enemy tempts us to doubt God's provision. Number two, he tempts us to doubt God's affection. And number three, he tempts us to doubt 
God's plan. And all three of those things will get us stuck at Temptation Station. So I want to I want to unpack this together just for a few moments, and then we're going to pray. Before we do, find three people and tell them, make sure you don't get stuck at Temptation Station. Come on, tell three people. Make sure you don't get stuck at Temptation Station. Number one, the enemy tempts us to doubt God's provision. This is what he's doing. This is what he's doing with with Jesus. Tell these stones to become bread. Take, take, this upon, take this upon yourself. God's not gonna provide for you. This, this fast is gonna last forever. Just make this happen your way. Just do, just do this. Just do what you feel right to do and not trust God. That's what the enemy wants to, to tempt us with. This happened with Abraham. Do you remember Abraham? God said, I'm gonna make you a father of many nations. And Sarah is going to be the one who brings this about. It's going to to happen. It's going to be amazing. But Sarah starts doubting. Abraham starts doubting. And Sarah's like, hey, what about my servant Hagar? And Abraham foolishly and selfishly doesn't wait on God's provision but takes matters into his own hands. And we haven't had peace in the Middle East since. True. True. And it's exactly what happens in our life. When we make things happen for ourselves as opposed to trusting God, as we do things our way instead of trusting his way, when we say, I'm gonna provide for me, this is gonna be about my situation, this is what I want, we find ourselves in terrible situations. Maybe, you know, as we get ready to head into tax season, it's gonna be as simple as just, just fudging the numbers just a little bit. I mean, I mean, you start justifying. You're like, I mean, the government doesn't really need all of that. I mean, surely they don't care about me. And I can just, I'm just going to, just a little bit. You do that just a little bit. And the enemy's chiseling away, chiseling away. Or maybe you're like, you know what? No, God wants me to be happy. And so, you know, sex outside of marriage. I mean, it's just not, I mean, it's that, what, what does God really care? I mean, he's got a whole, he's got a whole world to run. And, you know, then there's, you know, all of the pandemic things and the economic things. Surely he doesn't care if I just have a little bit of sex outside of marriage. You start providing your way, the way you think, and you start justifying it or you steal something that doesn't belong to you, or you long for something that doesn't belong to you, you start coveting, and you start trying to provide for yourself instead of letting God provide. How do we respond when the enemy tempts us with that? We respond with truth. God is enough for me. God is enough for me. No, I'm I'm gonna believe that God is enough for me, and you respond with the word. You respond with the word. You say, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. For I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in every every situation. Whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do all of this through him who gives me strength. When the enemy starts coming and tempting you to take something into your own hands, you punch him in the mouth with the word of God. And then you skip to verse 19. You said, and my God will meet all my needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. 
I know God's gonna provide for me. God is my provision. God is enough. So I'm gonna go to Matthew 6 and I'm gonna seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to me as well. I'm gonna go to Genesis chapter 22 and remind myself that he is Jehovah Jireh and that means the Lord will provide for my needs. I don't need to make it happen. I just need to stand back and let him do what he does best. And you preach you preach it right back to, God, to, to, to the devil. You preach God's word back to the enemy and watch him flee. The second thing, the enemy tempts us to doubt God's affection. He wants you to doubt God's affection. Does God really care? Does God really love you? Do you see this is how the enemy works all the time? He, 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 his, his plan is so simple. It's to tempt us, and then it's to accuse us. He tempts us by saying, God doesn't care about if you, if you compromise a little bit. I mean, he doesn't care about this. It's just a little thing. And then as soon as you do it, he just comes and crushes you and says, God doesn't care about you because you did that little thing. Isn't that crazy? On one side of it, it's like, God doesn't care, doesn't care. And then on the other side, God doesn't care, doesn't care. He's trying to get us to doubt God's care. And when he does that, we need to respond with truth. God loves me unconditionally because of Jesus. You can respond with the word of God. For as high, Psalm 103, for as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. You start stirring yourself up. First John 3, see what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. Romans 5, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Skip to verse 8, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for me. You can personalize that. Proverbs 24, for though the righteous fall seven times, they will rise again. And I might be a mess, but praise God, I'm in relationship with the Messiah. And I'm not going to allow this lie to determine my future because God has already secured it. He's already secured it. You start preaching the word of God and all of a sudden you see strength come into your spirit that allows you to overcome this temptation. Last thing, the enemy tempts us to doubt God's plan. I think this is true for so many of us. Hasn't happened yet, it's never gonna happen. You've been waiting for a job to happen, hasn't happened yet, it's never gonna happen. So you're gonna give in to the temptation to be discouraged. Or, or maybe... Maybe you're feeling like you've been trying to do something, you've been trying to make something happen, and, and the devil's just coming and saying, see, you're not good enough. You're never going to get there. Or maybe your marriage is struggling, and the enemy starts coming and says, it's never going to get any better. It's, you're never going to get any traction. And the reality is God has a plan. God has a plan. It is a good plan. And you start preaching, you start preaching truth back to the enemy, which is I trust God no matter what. I'm gonna give God control because I know that his word says, I know the plans I have for you, declare the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope in the future. You find yourself in a hopeless situation, you start preaching that back to the enemy and watch your spirit get strong. Deuteronomy 31, the Lord himself goes before me and he will be with me and he will never leave me nor forsake me. Or, or this week in our one-year Bible reading, we're going through Joseph, right? We're looking at Joseph's story. 
And you could, you could look at Joseph, you could say, man, I might find myself in a pit. I've been betrayed by other people and I find myself in a pit, but this is not the ultimate plan because God has spoken to me and he's got a plan for me. I might be in Potiphar's house, I might be a, a servant, I might be, I might be a slave right now, but I know God has a plan for me. I might find myself in a prison, accused of something that I didn't do. I might be in between where I'm going, but, but right now I know and I'm claiming and I'm standing on the word of God that God has a plan and it is a good plan and he is bringing me to that plan if I will just hang on to his promises and trust it and let go of control and let him be in control. Amen? Amen. How do we avoid temptation station? How do we avoid continually getting stuck? We know the word. We memorize the word. We speak the word. We preach the word to ourselves. We preach the word to everybody around us. We preach the word to the devil when he comes against us and we say, no, I am not gonna buy that lie. I'm gonna hang on to God's truth, amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you so much for your word. Thank you so much for taking, taking time to overcome this temptation so that we can see how to overcome in our own life. Thank you for taking time to teach us that the word of God is where we get our spiritual nourishment from. And then if we'll give ourselves to it, if we'll memorize it, if we'll, if we'll hide it in our heart, that we won't sin against you. Father, we pray that you would help us to live this out. I pray for every person who's here today. God, I know, it, I know people are struggling with all kinds of temptations. Lord, I pray for spiritual strength for your church right now. I pray that, God, you would begin to just raise up hope and faith and life. That we would, that we would walk forward, that we would move forward in grace because of Jesus. With every head bowed, every eye closed, I wanna take a moment. I wanna give people a chance to respond to God in two ways. First of all, I want to speak to the believer here today. If you're a follower of Christ, you love Jesus, and yet you're struggling with temptation, and maybe you've given in to temptation, and you've found yourself at temptation station, and you've gotten stuck, and it doesn't look like anything you thought it was going to look like, I want you to know this. There is hope. There is hope. And that although you might be stuck now, you do not have to stay there. That God wants to get you unstuck that he wants to get you back on the right path. And it's as simple as, as we talked about last week, repenting, turning from it, saying, God, I need you, inviting him in your life, afresh and anew, saying, Lord, I'm sorry, I don't wanna be like that. I choose you instead. And you start moving toward him. If you've, if you've gotten stuck, there is a savior. And he will help you if you'll look to him. And he wants to. I want to encourage you as we get ready to worship, have a real moment with God. Have a real moment with God where you say, God, I, I, want, to, I, want, to, I just want to get, I want to be done with this once and for all and ask him for his help and he will help you. Second group I want to talk to are people maybe who are away from the Lord. For whatever reason you find yourself, you say maybe you've never made a decision to follow Christ or Maybe you've walked away from God and today you're here, someone invited you or you just felt like God draw you here. And this is an opportunity for you to say, I wanna make a decision 
maybe for the first time or for the first time in a long time to make Jesus Lord of your life. Reality is you need a savior. You can't carry your sin yourself, but there is a savior and he will, he will take that sin from you. That's why Jesus died on the cross. That's why he rose again. That's why he came to take our sins so that we wouldn't have to be burdened by it both now and for eternity. God loves you that much. He loves you that much. And he wants to work in your life. And so if you're here today and you say, man, I, I need to make a decision to follow Christ for the first time or for the first time in a long time, well, I wanna pray for you. And if, if you respond to God and you say, God, I want you, I wanna turn to you, God will change you from the inside out in a powerful way. If you're here today and you say, man, this is speaking right to me. I want Jesus, I need to make him Lord of my life. I need to follow him with all my heart. If that's you today and you're saying, man, Scott, I, I, this, I wanna make a decision for Christ. I wanna pray for you and believe God to do something great. I'm gonna ask you just to raise your hand and say, Scott, would you pray for me? Anybody in this place say, you know what, I, this is me. I, I wanna make a decision to follow Christ for the first time, for the first time in a long time. Yeah, it's awesome. Somebody else, yeah, it's awesome. Just raise it up, you and God. This is between you and God. It's awesome, God's gonna work in your life. Just hold it up, yeah, it's awesome. Anybody else, yeah, come on, let's go. Anybody else? Father, I thank you for every person who's reaching out. Lord, I pray that today would be a day, a day of salvation, a day where grace would reign, a day where your kingdom would come and that you would, that you would move in our hearts and our lives, that all of us would be able to be spiritually strong so that we can stand against the devil's schemes. Lord, we want to live lives that honor you. We want to follow you with all of our hearts. We pray that, God, you would have your way. For those that are making decisions, Lord, I pray that you would help them to, to make a decision to follow you, a clear decision to live for you, to make you Lord of their life. And God, I thank you so much in Jesus' name. Amen. Church, you stand with me. I just want to take a moment and pray as we always do. Just take a moment and worship. Just for a few moments, I want to ask those to be praying for others to come down the front. If you raised your hand, we're really excited for you. In fact, church, can we just show a little... A little love for all those who raised their hand. Really excited for what God's doing in your life. It's worth it. The journey is worth it. We're here for you. We want to help you. If you want to come forward for prayer, we'd love to pray for you. If you have a need in your body, a need in your life, any, any need at all, we'd love to pray for you. Believe God will do something powerful for you and, and in you and through you. The rest of us, let's just take a moment. Can we? Let's just worship. We lift our hands. Father, we thank you. Thank you that you have made us to be overcomers, that you have made us to walk in victory. And Lord, we choose that, we embrace that, and we follow that. We want you to have your way in our lives. Lord, we love you, and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship. Yeah.